0: Excellent job, guys. My prayer tonight will be, Lord, just a little bit of musical talent would be great. <laughs> well, good morning. Uh, my name is John Lorenzo. I am the youth director here at City on the Hill Church. And I am very excited uh, to be uh, doing Deep Dive week number two. For those of you here that were here last week, um, we talked all about the effect that the weight of abuse in our past can have on us, sins caused against us. Today we're diving into ourselves and talking about the weight of our past things that we did, the guilt and the shame that we carry. Uh, But before we jump into that, I want to talk to you about how amazing this weekend is for me. And I know that's kind of selfish, but it is like my one big weekend of the year. And uh, yesterday my wife turned 29 years old. (laughs) Today is obviously Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to all the other guys out there. But it is also my six-year wedding anniversary. And so, and tomorrow is actually 12 years that we've been together. And, uh, you know, so pray for my wife. Amen. (laughs) And another thing that we added to this weekend is actually when we had the compassion journey over there, um, we uh, sponsored a child named Charity. And uh, Charity turns five today. And so it's just a great weekend. And uh, that was actually part of the deciding factor, um, you know, because finances are always tight. But when you go through the compassion journey, you're like, we've got some money. But my, my beautiful little three-year-old daughter, Finley, came up and she was holding a card. And as I'm reading it about charity, I see her birthday being our anniversary. And I was like, okay, well, we just sponsored charity. So she is a beautiful member of our family. And uh, anyways, it's an incredible weekend. I will actually be on vacation this week. So I'm going to pull a pastor mic as soon as this is done. Uh, But he is away, this is week two out of three weeks, and uh, we're just continuing to pray for him and Lorena that they are away, that they are just getting renewed and refreshed, and uh, because I can tell you from personal experience, this is stressful, and... uh I only handle the Sunday portion. I know you guys might not realize this, but pastors work all week and not just on Sunday. And, um, but I am so excited for this week, and I am so excited especially after first service, right? First service was an incredible time, and uh, I can just tell you there was just some freedom that, that people received from the weight that we carry. And uh, one of the main things we're going to be dealing with today is, is guilt, and our conscience. And when you put those together, you have a guilty conscience. And so I know how crippling and debilitating that can be on a personal level, right? And so just to be clear, what we're talking about is you have prayed and asked God for forgiveness for something, and God has forgiven you, but you have not forgiven you, and you have not let the weight go. And so you continue to carry this weight with you everywhere you go, and without your knowledge, it dictates your direction, and so today, what we're going to do is we're going to address those things. And I want to make sure I, I clarify that, because this isn't a sermon that, 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 that excuses sin, right? This is a sermon that gives us the freedom once we've addressed it, once we've repented from it, but yet we still carry it. And, and I, my hope is that by the end of this sermon, we will all realize how foolish that is and realize the true power of God, right? The true power and the loving nature of God When he forgives us, it is forgiven. And so we then can drop that weight. And uh, I know last week we had such an incredible time, and afterwards I heard so many reports of people who went and just dug in deeper. And so my hope for you this week, and, and that's why in your program... Uh, where you get your study guide, inside there's, there's just a ton more content for you, right? Because this may just be the starting point. This might just be the catalyst. I'm not expecting you to be able to offload. Now, God willing, if you could, if you could take the weight off and leave it on the chair next to you, we'll clean it up when you leave. But I know that it may not happen that fast, right? Some of you have been carrying this for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, right? The weight and the guilt of your past. So um, take some time to really dig in. If you, if you do it solo, that's fine. If you can get together as a group, I had some incredible reports of, of groups getting together and just really trying to get the weight. Now, see, if you're like me, you can maybe unload the weight of something somebody else did way easier than you can unload the weight of something you did, right? You may hold on to that. You, you may self-blame. You may be dealing with all that. But what we need to first address is, is, is our conscience and that guilt and how it doesn't need to cripple us but it can actually help us, right? And so we get this guilt, and and if we look at the proper way to utilize it, we understand that it will enable us and not disable us. And I, I saw this line. It said, guilt is the safety valve for the human condition. It means there is a right way and a wrong way for us to operate. And there are standards of what is good and what is worthy of guilt. And then this line, we are born with a conscience by divine design, and it is part of the general revelation that it is God. So that voice, that voice that's echoing in the back of your head, telling you not to do something, that voice that, that we don't always listen to, we kind of push it, you know, the good angel, bad angel, all that, whatever you want to classify it as, that voice is, is there to help guide us. And so once we do that, we recognize, once we feel that, we recognize immediately that we need forgiveness. Okay, but I don't want you to miss this point, because guilt becomes crippling when after we have asked for forgiveness and been forgiven, we don't forgive ourselves. And that's where we're living in today, right? That's where we're at right now. We're understanding. And and as I'm going to talk, you're going to think of things, because that's just the nature of the enemy of your soul. You're going to think of things that are going to make you feel unworthy, or this message doesn't apply to you. Newsflash, it does it applies to me. When we get through and we get a little bit farther into this, I don't know, because I got like two pages in and then I just completely went off the rails, so we'll see what happens. But, um, but once you find out, you'll realize, you'll be like, if that guy's even allowed to stand up there and preach the Word of God, then I'm able to give myself that same forgiveness and see what God has in store for my life. So that's my, uh, my hope for you today. I hope that we free ourselves from guilt and condemnation and we become alive. And that's what next week's all about. Let me tell you what, I, and I know I should be talking about this week because this week's great too, but I encourage you, make sure you're here next week because the notes, the scriptures, the promises of God on what a truly free life looks like, whew, I had to get through these two weeks to get to that week and I am so excited for that week. So with that in mind, we still have work to do. In your study guide, we're going to look at Hebrews ten, nineteen to 25, and we're going to read it together. I'm going to read through the whole thing. I know it's a lot of text, but then throughout this sermon, we're going to break it down and understand how it applies to us, because there's so much in there. There's so many promises. There's so many little details that if we don't know the meaning of, we're kind of missing out on what, on what God has in store for us. So, starting in 19, therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, there's that word, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Thank you, Jesus, on that. He who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching." May the Lord add his blessing on his word this morning. That brings us to our first fill-in that says receive your forgiveness and freedom from guilt through Christ. Receive your forgiveness and freedom from guilt through Christ. And so just so we're all clear, the reason why there's two words there, forgiveness and freedom, is that if we don't allow the forgiveness to be freeing, we need the next step. So if we don't allow the fact that God has truly forgiven us, as far as the east is from the west, our sins, and forgiven us of that, then we need to take it a step further to really seek that freedom from that. Because we're not getting everything that God has in store for us. If all we're doing is taking the forgiveness and then we're just continuing to to carry that weight. You guys know what it is when, when you continue to pile the weight on how debilitating that can be, how much it can cripple you. But I'm here to tell you that once you get that forgiveness, you've got that freedom. You just have to access it. And then you have no idea, the life, that that can open up for you. So if we start to dissect that that scripture, and we look at verse 19, right? And we talk about the most holy place. The most holy place is where God will meet us. Now, in the old agreement, the people could not approach God themselves, right? They needed a great priest to do that. They had to come to the priest. They went into a special tent on their behalf, not with them. They went on their behalf, and there was this whole thing that had to happen. And thanks be to Jesus, that's not the case anymore, right? The most holy place can be in your car as you're driving and praying to God. When I used to ride a sport bike, I used to pray all the time. I had nothing else to do. It was just me, my thoughts, and a helmet. And I used to pray all the time. That was like my time to to just be alone with God. I should probably get another one, babe. What do you think? Okay. Um, Worth a try. Okay. In front of all you. I didn't think she would say no. Um, So that holy place, that's where you make it because of Jesus. Now we look at verse 20, and this is the significance of the curtain. Okay. In that time, there was a curtain to that tent right? And again, we could not have gone through that curtain, right? So Jesus opened a new way to God. His body, like the curtain, is the entrance. And when Jesus died, there was such a significant moment that happened. The curtain in the temple split from top to bottom, and that was signifying that no more did we have to do all these different things. No more did we have to send somebody to God, we now are able to pray to God in the name of Jesus, and our prayers are heard, they are answered, God is accessible. And so we need to understand that. Now, what you will notice if you ever get a hold of my notes, which I hope you don't because there's probably misspellings in here, even though autocorrect, but I have a lot of scripture. And the reason is why is because who am I but somebody who God has, has equipped and sent to preach his word alongside my testimony. So as I talk, I'm going to let you know some verses, and I encourage you to write them down because when you're going back through, when you're digging in, when you're seeking that true freedom, these will encourage you. So John 14, 6, okay, and and that verse simply says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so once we know that, we can cut out all the other stuff. We can be anywhere, and we can just pray out to God in the name of Jesus and know and trust and believe with full confidence, full assurance of faith that he hears us and that he's with us And so what I'm doing today is I'm slowly taking away all of our excuses, all of the things that we could use to either say this sermon's not about us, to say we're unworthy of this, to say we just don't have access to this, we're slowly pulling this away. So at the end of the day, it's you and it's God. And this right here, if you're right here and you're truly giving him your all, you will drop that weight, you will forget about that weight, and you will not pick that weight up and carry it anymore. Now, let's talk about a guilty conscience, and I I wrote down a couple of key points of a guilty conscience. A guilty conscience does not acknowledge what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So when Jesus died and rose, he was the ultimate sacrifice, offering complete atonement and forgiveness for humanity for those who accept him as their Lord and Savior. So we have to understand that we do have a part in this. We need to ask him for forgiveness. We need to ask Him into our lives. The freedom doesn't come without the forgiveness. Make sure you know that. You know, just like last week we talked about if God isn't the center of, of, of you getting over that abuse, you're not going to get over that abuse. You need to truly have that relationship with Christ to then unload it onto Him. But here's the best part. He's there. He's willing. And He's accessible. A guilty conscience has the wrong focus. Now here's the deal, if you're over here focused on the guilt and the shame and the sin that you were forgiven of, how are you then focused on the path that Jesus has for you? How are you then focused on the path that's laid out in front of you? You can't be focused on both. You will get too distracted here, you will feel unqualified here, you will feel unworthy here. You need to let that go and shift your eyes and shift your focus and it is a literal shift right? It is not, I'm not even talking about figuratively. I'm saying literally, we, remember, I'm sitting right there listening to this. I didn't write this. Literally, you have to shift your focus from this to God and drop it. I dwell on the guilt instead of following the instructions of Philippians 4, 8 to 9. So write that down. And and that's great scripture because it's very very direct. And it says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned from me and heard from me and saw me doing, and the God of peace will be with you. And that brings me to my next point. A guilty conscience revolves around fear and anxiety. When you're feeling fearful, when you're feeling anxious, you have lost control over your thoughts, right? And I know this because even as I sit here and and study and put this together, I begin to get anxious I begin to doubt myself. I begin to get fearful. I say it every time. I am not a public speaker. I just believe God has called me to this. This does not come natural to me. I don't walk up here and feel like, you know, I'm strutting. Everybody says, you don't look nervous. Well, thanks be to God because inside I'm a little tiny kid who's freaking out, right? (laughs) I'm literally freaking out right now. But I feel that God has called me to this. I feel he has equipped me. I feel that it is his word. I feel that my testimony can help somebody else. And so once we, we get past that fear and anxiety, once we, we address the guilty conscience versus the enemy of our soul, once we understand the difference in that, and that whispering, we can leave all that fear and anxiety and we can do stuff like this because here's the deal. There's no reason that you all can't go and preach God's word to anybody that will listen and even if they won't. I just don't stop talking to give you all a minute to leave. So here we go. Um, so God's love can overcome the guilty conscience. So 1 John 4, 17 through 19 says this. That's 1 John 4. 17 through 19. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we are like Christ here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of judgment. And this shows that his love has not been perfected in us we love each other as a result of his loving us first. So here's what you got to understand. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us first. He, his love overpowered us then. So this is, my, this is so simple in thought, but so difficult to feel. When we were screwing up, when we were doing those things, when we were sinning and we put that shame on ourselves, he loved us then. So here we are today, trying to get right. Trying to, we're not perfect, we're being perfected. That's cool. Um, I didn't even give you a chance to finish it. You guys are like, we're going to say it. Um, (laughs) we're, we're, We're walking the path, we're doing the best that we can. Why would he leave us here? And one of you needs that this morning. One of you needs to know that he was with you then. He knew what he was getting into. And he's still with you today. And here's the best part he wants to be with you into eternity. And he has that eternity mapped out for you. Things we could never imagine, things we could never dream up that we could be doing if we only follow him. And I'm talking about follow him to the fullest. Get your forgiveness. And then embrace your freedom. Your freedom to do things that you don't think you're worthy of. Your freedom to go and be a youth leader or work with the nursery or work with the the next generation. But you don't think you're worthy because you're worried about that. And God couldn't care less about that because as far as the east is from the west, He has forgiven you of that and He wants you to go here. But He doesn't just want you to go here for you. He wants you to go here for others, and that's going to bring us into our our next fill-in. Release your shame and share your story for God's glory. You see, a guilty conscience brings condemnation on ourselves because our eyes are on what we do or have done and not fixated on what Christ has done for us. Because if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. And then that allows us the power to walk forward. The power to go and use your life as a testimony. And this is where I got completely derailed in last service. Because I felt like the Holy Spirit was really speaking strongly that somebody needed to hear this morning that your life is a testimony that somebody needs to hear Your life is, God has sculpted your life in a way that people can relate. City on a Hill Church is built, it is, it is, it has been built up by a group of people who look nothing alike, who sound nothing alike, who come from all walks of life. My favorite thing I've ever heard at this church was one, uh, a Santa parade when somebody said, who doesn't go to that church? And I was like, you're right. You are absolutely right, because we come from all walks of life, and you know what that means. That means that if we're honest with ourselves, if we humble ourselves, right, and we realize that it's not about us, and we allow our shame to decrease, Jesus will increase, and we will have the opportunity to tell our story to whoever will listen. Listen, I said no to my wife for years about going to church, back before we were even dating. She would invite me to church every Sunday. She would hand me the bulletin, I would throw it away. She would hand me the bulletin, I would throw it away. I thought I didn't belong in church, I thought I wasn't going to be welcome in church, I wanted nothing to do with church, and thanks be to God, she just kept asking, and she didn't care, and so finally, there was a moment there where um, I I, I wouldn't go to church, but Taekwondo happened on church property, so they got me there, (laughs) And, and it actually even goes to a deeper story, you know, I used to deal with anger and all this back then, there was a time that uh, I was actually fighting with another guy over her. She's probably going to be mad when talk about this. But we end up chasing him. Well, I end up chasing him. Let's just tell the story how it is. And when he turns around, he's holding a knife. And so the only thing I knew to do was to draw my blade. And we were about to go. And this is a true story. And thankfully, he turned and left. And it might have been a few things that I said that I can't repeat in a church. But what I do know... <laughs> I'm just being real, but I'm being real to a point. Um, I do know that at that point, um, Pastor Mike actually found out about it. And he said, listen, why are you doing that? I can teach you how to defend yourself. I can teach you. And so that got my foot in the door of Taekwondo. And then slowly but surely, as people that I was meeting at the Taekwondo program were speaking truth into my life, and I was like, okay, maybe I can walk into a church service. Maybe I can. There's a lot of people that are afraid of those doors right there. There are a lot of people that are afraid to even pull into that parking lot. They will circle the block before they will come. But imagine what would happen if somebody from the church went out and invited them and said, hey, listen, I've got this messed up past too, but they want me there. And you know why they want me there? Because God wants me there. And so I ended up stepping into church service, and my very first day of being there, I became a youth leader. So that made me question everybody. Because I sat down and I looked at these kids and I said, listen, I don't know anything about your Bible. I don't know anything about your God. What are you going to teach me? And you know what? I listened and they taught me. And I kept coming back and I kept coming back and I felt welcomed. And I felt that it was okay that I wasn't perfect. If you've ever felt that way in church, imagine the people who need to feel that way. So we have an opportunity to do that. Every time we tell our, short, our story, shame and guilt are decreased and God is increased. Every time I've shared where I've come from to where I am today, I'm able to share it with more confidence, with more assurance, less shame, less guilt. Now listen, there's still things I carry on my shoulder, right? There's, life is not cookie cutter. It's not just A and B. We've got to really fight to have the freedom that we're talking about. But God's already won that battle. When I say we have to fight, I mean we have to fight ourselves. We have to fight the inner workings inside of us to do that. But we are able to do that, and we can come to God. Verse 22 talks about it because of Jesus. He has um, he is sprinkled to cleanse, cleanse us from our guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let me tell you the difference between hope and hope. I can say, I hope I'm going to win the lottery. That's just a gamble. But when I say my hope is in Christ, my assurance, my faith, that is a whole different level of hope. It's not guesswork. It's letting you know that I know beyond a shadow of a a doubt that no matter what happens in my life, my hope is in Christ. Now, if I win the lottery, that's cool too, but that's not where my hope is from. But you know what Jesus does? He cleans us. He doesn't just take us in. And leave us on our own. He cleanses us from the inside out. And while I say that is because we don't know what's going on in somebody else's life. This can all look perfect, but there's a lot of work going on on the inside. And so when Paul wrote this letter, um, he was basically, or I say, I'm sorry, I say Paul, but for those of you who are biblical scholars, they're still questioning who wrote Hebrews. So that was a Freudian slip there. But, anyways, whoever wrote Hebrews, <laughs> the guy who's in the Bible and I am listening to, Basically, when he wrote this, he was letting us know that that particular church was starting to not meet. They thought that wasn't important. And he was calling it back into importance. Because here's the deal. Sunday's important, y'all. Sunday's not important for our salvation. Our salvation is in Christ, right? Sunday's not even necessarily important to our relationship with God because we can do this. this. This needs to be an avenue. But there is so much importance in this Fellowship, lifting each other up, praying with each other, loving on each other, accepting each other, right? Being able to pull somebody aside and say, listen, brother, I'm really struggling with this. And having the assurance and the faith that they are going to be there for you and not go around and talk about you. I'm talking about the true relationships, the bonds that the men in this church have formed. And I can only speak on that. I know the women, the Bible studies. I know you're a tight-knit community. But I can speak from a man's point of view. There are men in this church that I have no doubt in my mind I could call with anything. I can be as real as possible with them. Right? And if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, man, I really want that. Listen, it's there. Wednesday night, men's Bible study happens across the hall. They would love to have you. Tuesday night, women's Bible study happens. We have college small groups happening. We have small groups happening all around the city. Fellowship is important to lift each other up, to encourage each other. Because no matter how much you get on this, life's still tough, right? You don't know what tomorrow holds. We know who holds tomorrow, though. And we have a group here that is willing and able to lift each other up and encourage each other. And then, this is where it gets crazy, then you feel equipped to go and do the same for others. There may be times when you are weak and you need somebody, and we're there for that. But then we need you, as soon as you're strong again, to go be that somebody for somebody else, right? We need to equip you and send you out. You know, Pastor Mike, I love that guy, I really do, and um, he's like nobody I've ever met, because he's he's real deal. He's not perfect, he'll tell you first off, but he really has the heart that he preaches from here, and he has no problem with people coming here, being built up, being equipped, and then going out to do God's work, because he's not about city on a hill church, he's about the church, he's about the gospel of Christ. And so there are people from our church all around the world that have come here and been a part of our fellowship that are preaching the gospel, that are using their testimony in other countries, in other cities to reach other people. There's the homeless ministry that's been going on since we formed, since we started feeding the homeless every third Saturday breakfast and being able to connect, right? We don't just go there and put stuff on a plate. They get there and connect, right? So there's opportunities to get plugged in. So if you're not getting plugged in, I'm kind of calling you out. Get plugged in because you're missing out. You are missing out. Every ministry team that operates here on a Sunday morning could use you. Every ministry team. Remember how I told you it's hard to pull in the parking lot? You stand out there with a sign that says, we're glad you're here. Welcome. They might pass you the first time, but the second Sunday, they might turn in and at least do a loop in the block. So, you don't know how important that is. All of our youth ministries, and this isn't a sermon about serving. This is a sermon about you. What do you need to do to truly get involved and to, to, to just have access to all that God has for you? And, and we would love to fellowship with you. If we did this, right, if we took our testimony and we took it everywhere there would be no empty seats in church. There would be standing room only. And that has, I don't care about church attendance. That would just mean that people are coming in. They're getting this relationship with Christ. And then they're going out, and we'll do three services, four services, five services, whatever we need to do, because we've now taken our freedom, and we've given it to somebody else. I got lost again, I'm sorry. But... um. Romans 15 7 is one I'd like you to to write down And it it does apply with what we just talked about Romans 15 7 says Accept one another Then just as Christ accepted you In order to bring praise to God That means when people get here They're hurt They're wounded They might still be here Accept them Love them Bring them in Let God do the work you be the love, right? When they look at you, don't act like you didn't ever mess up. Be honest. Share that with them. Listen, my teens know, and you can hear the loudest person in here, Andre. They know. They know, but listen. They know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we love them, and they know we're honest with them. If they're in here today, they can tell you our mess-ups better than we can tell you because we've shared them with them and, they, and all my leaders do the same thing, and they understand that we're not perfect, and they're not perfect. And they're going to mess up, they're going to slip and fall, and that Jesus is going to be right there with them through it all. And he is going to walk them into God's presence <laughs> to ask for forgiveness. We're just going to forget this again. So... Um, I don't really care. Here's the deal. These sermons, when I, when I study and everything, I take so much in, but then I am relying wholly on the Holy Spirit to come and give you what you need. That's why they record both my services and I tell them which one to put up because they both come out different. Because here's the deal, I am a nobody when it comes to this, right? I am just allowing God to utilize me. And so I want to encourage you, first and foremost, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, today is your day. Your relationship is just one moment away from you. And then if you do have a relationship with Christ, if you have asked for forgiveness, I am telling you that the freedom... The true weight off your shoulders is one moment away. It's, it's up to you how quickly you get to that freedom. And then my last thing is, listen, when this all happens, when you're forgiven, when you're free, I'm urging you to take that freedom and to go out and to find those that desperately, desperately need it. We're talking about life and death. We are talking about people who are committing suicide daily from the guilt and shame that they hold that they don't need to hold. Again, this was never a sermon to excuse sin. Sin needs to be dealt with. So in case anybody was going to go write an email and say, hey, he excused sin, I didn't. I didn't. You can find my email too, but I didn't. But what I want you to understand is when the sin is dealt with, when, when the God above all forgives us and removes it, as far as the east is from the west, it would be foolish... For us to not do that for ourselves. And so if that's you, if you fall in any of those categories this morning, when we pray in a moment and we ask for hands, listen, this has nothing to do with me. I want you to truly take an inventory of your life. And if you're not in a great spot with, with Jesus, that's on you. He's right there. And if you're still holding the weight, that's on you. The freedom is available. And if you've got a story that makes mine seem like a birthday party, Imagine, imagine how many people that you can bless with that testimony. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you first and foremost for your grace, your mercy, your love. God, I thank you for I thank you for guilt and in and, and our conscience. Lord, I thank you that you you speak into our lives so much goodness, and you call us to so much greatness, and Lord, somehow we get lost in between those two points. So Lord, this morning as we're we're praying and we're getting ready to to say a prayer to you, Lord, I pray that you're welling up the strength and the courage inside of those in this room, Lord, to to fully deep dive into a relationship with you, to take a a full inventory over their lives, over the things they've done, And begin to to pull off the guilt and shame, God. And for those that weren't here last week, Lord, I pray of any sin that was committed against them, any type of abuse, God, I pray the same thing over them. Lord, whether it's been done to us or that we've done to ourselves, Lord, I pray first and foremost that you forgive us, but then you give us freedom. So in a moment with every head bowed and all eyes closed, Lord, as we begin to to call for a show of hands, God, these hands are going to go up or, or maybe somebody who who has never known you and never had a relationship with you. God, or it could be somebody who who used to walk with you and has wandered off. Or Lord, it may be some of us this morning that are walking with you, but really just not investing in our relationship with you and not seeking the freedom that you have for us. So again, with every head bowed and all, um, all eyes closed, if that's you this morning, just slip your hand up this morning. If you want the freedom and the forgiveness, I see hands going up. If you want that freedom and forgiveness this morning, it's just a a step away. You may place your hands down. Please pray with me in the quietness of your heart. Dear Jesus, I need you this morning. Jesus, I thank you for what you did for me. God, I ask for forgiveness this morning. I ask that you you help to free me from the weight of the sin and shame and guilt that, that you've already forgiven me for and removed, but I haven't. And Lord, I pray that once I am whole again, that you give me an opportunity to go out And to bless somebody, to save somebody, and to encourage somebody. I ask all this in the powerful name of Jesus. And all those said, Amen. Well, give God some praise this morning. Before you leave,